The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Mentioned Abigail. I think I'll go ahead and hope not by telling you the history behind that name. It's been told to me that my father thought I was going to be a boy. Amen. So all his friends were expecting a boy. So when the news came then, you know, they had no ultrasound, you had no way of knowing until the baby came. So when the story came that it was a girl, amen. So his friend, my father was Ijesha. Amen. I'm, Ile, I'm Ijesha um, by origin. So his friends were like, ah, get Lama B. Get Lama B. I'm told that's how I became happy girl. <laughs> I used to think it was a tall tale. Then I saw one of my father's friends sat me down like two or three years ago to retell the story. That's, that's how you came to be Abigail. I'm like, okay, glory be to Jesus. Amen. I'm so glad uh, it was girl, Abby. Amen. I'm glad I'm a girl. And I think my father reconciled with the facts maybe very, very long time ago because he did not treat me like he wanted me to be a boy. Amen. And I know that God made me a girl because it takes a girl to fulfill my plan, his plan and his purposes for my life. Amen? How many people here, you are happy to be whatever God made you to be? And because it's women's conference, how many women here are happy to be women? Yeah, all right. Glory be to Jesus. Well, it's, um, we have come to it, the last um, session. It's not my last session because I'm still going to preach at the, the new service um, later on today. But um, the last session for us um, of the Women's Conference um, 2018, glory be to God, um, we started. And for the um, sake of the men in this place, you are welcome. Um, we started on Friday and we started talking about take heed um, to yourself. Um, started from First Timothy chapter four verse sixteen, and on Friday we talked about the process of taking it, and used the story of Moses as our you know illustration. The fact that Moses saw a burning bush, number one, God makes an impression. Um, the impression starts from God. The process starts from God. Um, I want us to balance everything we've heard this week with that. Um, if not, we'll, be, we'll get ourselves all worked up. Especially with yesterday's message, we could easily get into the flesh, where we're into works, let me put it that way, where we are trying to improve ourselves um, just in our own strength. I'm so grateful to God that it does not show me everything that's wrong with me all at once. I would be overwhelmed. I would give up. <laughs> there are things that God has shown me and helped me to walk through in at different seasons of my life that I go back and I'm thinking that if God had showed me this two years ago, I probably would not have been able to even wake up in the morning. Amen? So the process starts with God. God makes an impression. God flags you. God shows you something. God uh, gives you something on the inside. God touches you in a peculiar way. So it starts from him, number one, very important, just like he did with Moses. Moses didn't cook up something by himself. Moses didn't wake up one day and say, well, it's about time. I've been here for what? How long? I'm getting bored. God, what's going on? Amen. Now, it doesn't mean we don't set ourselves apart. For example, if we are dry, if we're in dry seasons, if we're in seasons where things are just taking so long and, um, you know, things are just not moving, doesn't mean that we don't set time apart to seek God. 
But what we are really doing in that instance is getting ourselves quiet so we can hear what God was trying to say all along. It's not our setting ourselves apart that forces God to speak or do something. You know, God doesn't say, oh, because she's fasting. Ah, 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 angel, Gabriel, let's quickly cook something up. Amen. We forgot her. Amen. Ah, now she's fasting. You know, let's find something for her to do, for her to work on, for her to improve. No, God was probably already speaking. Not just probably. God was already speaking. God was already trying to get something across to you. Your setting time apart was you saying, okay, um, I'm not hearing anything. I'm probably too busy. I'm probably clogged up. I'm probably too distracted. Let me lay aside the distraction so that I can start the process, amen? Or I can hear or feel the process that God is trying to start. So the process always starts with God. Just like God was the one who made the appearance to Moses in the burning bush that it was not consumed. We also learned from Moses' response, that there is a need for a response from us. And that response was from Moses, I will now turn aside and see. I will now uh, make a conscious decision, a conscious effort to separate myself. Now, that separation, sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes about 30 seconds. Amen. Um, God has made impressions on me in a service, in a, in a meeting. In fact, let me tell you how I heard it was time for me to go into full-time ministry. I wasn't praying. I wasn't um, fasting. I was just having a conversation with somebody. And then the Lord made an impression on my heart. I was talking to the person. I'm like, well, you know. I keep saying that, I mean, I th maybe it's time. Maybe, and I've had such several conversations like that. Maybe it's time for me to just close up this business. You know, uh, maybe it's time. But then maybe it's not time. I don't know if I'm ready and everything. And the Lord told me, I was talking to the person, and the Lord was at the same time making an impression on my heart. I was talking to somebody, and a bush started burning without it being consumed. <laughs> and he said, you are asking the wrong question. You keep asking if you are ready. What if I'm ready for you? I am ready for you. Now, I could have run, a, run off with that. But that was only the burning bush. So I said, God, we probably can't complete this conversation here while I'm talking to somebody. You know, I f finished that conversation. And then I did my own, I will now turn. It took me one and a half months to now turn, <laughs> it took me one and a half months to fully reconcile with what God was saying. And say, okay, Lord, I hear you, and um, I'm going to obey you, you know? So, I mean, that was just an example. God can make an impression on your heart at any time. And you still need, we learned some of the um, dangers in not actually taking time to hear fully what God, what, what God is trying to say. By so doing, some have made shipwrecks of their lives. And I've wondered if it was God that started the process anyway. You know, because people hear fragments, they don't hear the detail, and then run off with the fragment, and then make mistakes. You know, um, because learning with or running with a fragment, leaves a lot of detail out that we need. Moses stood there with God. In fact, God was very patient with him. You know, but before I get there, let's see um, what, God, what God, although we're not opening there, opening um, a scripture, but you can go and read it later. It's in Exodus chapter 3. When Moses said, I will now turn and see this great sight, then the Bible says, when the Lord saw that Moses made that decision. So in other words, sometimes God makes an impression and is waiting to see what our response will be before he moves on in the process. That's what God was waiting for something on Moses' part. The Bible says, when God, and then when the Lord saw that Moses turned and stood, 
and gave God some time. Then God was able to go on and speak and deliver into Moses' hands what was going to be his defining um, assignment. Okay, because up until that time, if Moses' life ended with him shepherding Jethro, his father-in-law's sheep, we would not know what we know of him today. He would have died an ordinary man. He would have gone on and, um, you know, maybe not made much of his life. But his life's assignment came after an encounter that required a response from him. And God did not... God, God could have done it differently. God could have started off telling him what he really wanted him to do anyway. But God knows that if he doesn't catch your attention at the, at the beginning, he's probably not going to be able to hold on to your attention throughout the process. So um, God required something from Moses. And when Moses supplied that, then the Lord was like, yes, he's ready. And he, de he delivered to him what um, the message was. And he was very patient with Moses. Moses asked, what do I tell them? Who do I tell them sent me? You know, I have a handicap. How do we deal with that? And the Lord did not get impatient with him. The Lord did not say, uh, you know, um, just go. You know, sometimes we just go. And we assume that God doesn't want to tell us more. Sometimes we go, and while you are going, you know you are still confused. You know? You know you are still confused. You know you've not gotten everything you need. But maybe so we are afraid of asking God some more questions. It is. Or maybe we assume we know. We take a, a word from God, and we mix it with people's opinions. For example, if God says, I want you to start a business, you take it, and then you go and ask 50 people, God told me to start a business, what do you think I should do? And then 50 people tell you 50 different things, and you are confused. And in spite of the fact that you are confused, you still go and start in your confusion. And at the end of the day, it looks like God did not speak at all. Whereas the one who started the process can help you finish it. So... This is a very, um, uh, you know, a very telling account of what we ought to do with the process of paying attention to God. Not just in paying attention to the first word, but every single thing that will come together to make that word a reality in our lives. It's very important. It's very important. So we started with that on, on Friday. And then yesterday, and then we talked about the fact that, if on Friday we talked about the fact that um, we may say to ourselves in this day and age that, well, if God will appear as a burning bush or burning something, then I will be able to know what to pay attention to and how to pay attention. Yeah, I guess so. But God does not agree with you. God doesn't think Moses had it better than we do. Because God says that the covenant we have is better, established on better promises than what they had, the, his dealings with them. So what we have is better. So what do we have? Instead of God doing things in the natural out there, instead of God, you know, I mean, because look at you, look at how many we are here, all believers. If God was born in bushes, <laughs> You know how much drama, see how many churches are in Lagos. See how much drama we'd have this morning just for God to try to tell you, you know, uh, what he wants you to do next week. You know, sometimes we think we need the spectacular in order for us to be convinced it's God or for it to be effective. But God does not think that way. God doesn't feel that way. God designed a better system for us. What system did he design? He designed a system where, first of all, he changed us and made the atmosphere in our being conducive for him to create encounters with us on a regular basis. So he took away your whole self. The Bible says in Ezekiel 36, 26, that a new heart will I put in them. I will take out the stony heart and putting them a heart of flesh. 
Stone speaks of something that's not pliable, something that you can, it's not soft. It's not pliable. It cannot be impressed. You can't make an impression on it. It's already set. The way we, they were in the old covenant and the way we were until we met with Christ, um, we were like that stone. God could not make an internal impression, so he had to make external impressions. But God, first of all, changed the atmosphere on your inside. He changed the person you were and put, you, put in you a new heart, a new being, a new spirit. And then he did something better than that on top of that. He moved in. Amen. We have children we love, but the best we can do is hug them. Amen. God loves you. But he didn't just hug you. He came and moved in. How close to you can God be? How much closer to you can he be than that? So that, in place of Moses' burning bush, or an equivalent of that in your neighborhood, maybe you are, you are in a neighborhood where you don't even have a tree. In place of God burning stuff up, Quaking stuff, shaking things. He moved in so that when he impresses, you can sense it. So that when he's trying to say something, your neighbor doesn't even have to know. Three people could be sitting, you know, together in church, and what God is impressing on each person is totally different. God is a master planner. Amen. And you know why? Because what God has in store for us to do, you know, um, God used one Moses to deliver two million people. But he has so many believers, so many children with different unique assignments. So it needs a way for us to get it very quickly. He has a more efficient system going on. But the process still remains the same. God makes an impression. An impression could be an inward witness. I sense something. I feel something. I was in prayer today and something flashed in front of me. Or I was in service and the preacher said a word and it rang on my inside. It did something to me. Oh, I was talking to a friend, and the friend mentioned, so it still happened to me like in April. I was with somebody, and somebody said something, and something in me, you know, like when um, Mary spoke, and the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. This way, it was a little different. It wasn't like something leaped, amen, because it was a rebuke. <laughs> so it's not like something leaped for joy, but something was impressed. It was just a phrase, and something was impressed. So, the same way that that impression is not the end of God's communication, the, the burning bush was not the end of God's communication to Moses. That impression is not the end of God's talking. That impression is an invitation from God that, what, how are you going to respond? So, let me take my example. Somebody said something, something went off on my inside. I had to do my, I will now turn to understand what it was God was trying to do, what God was trying to say. It didn't take too long in that instance. It was overnight, you know. What the person said was during dinner, uh, we are having dinner. Overnight, God expansiated and kind of showed me that this and this are areas of your life where you are slacking. Get up. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what? If I had not, I could have responded differently because the impression was not an exciting impression. I could have gone and gotten depressed. I could have gone and, I don't know, maybe try to do something, try to make myself happy, you know? So God makes an impression. God says, okay, um, you know, you're in your season to be, to, be, to be. The impression may even be a whole sentence, like I gave an example on Friday, you know, in talking about the dangers of not hearing completely what God is saying. God, you were praying, and the Lord said, today is the day you will meet your spouse. You will be tall, dark, and handsome. You liked it. You didn't even, 
the minute he said tall, dark, you're like, Lord, woo! And then he added answer. <laughs> Amen. So you got excited. But what got the full sentence was, I, you will meet your spouse today with tall, dark, and answer, but this is not the season to get into that man's life because he's a mess and I'm working on him. And if you get into his life right now, he will make a mess of you. So wait, 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 my daughter. In fact, wait, wait, wait yet more. <laughs> For I will do a work in him. And then when I am done, he will be ready. But you ran out with tall, dark, and handsome. You didn't hear everything. And true to his word, you got to church. You saw tall, dark, and handsome. You're like, ah, you looked around. You said, no, no, it must be that guy. Ah, it's that one. It's that one. And you were accurate. It's him. And then he happens to come and say hello. And you're like, ah, this is too much. This is God. <laughs> Miracle worker. Amen. This is my Sunday. And then you jump in. Six months later, it's a mess. You're a mess. Everything is a mess. And you are wondering, did I hear God? In fact, the Lord tells me there are people that, as a result of such experiences, you begin to doubt your ability to hear God. And now you'd rather have somebody else say, somebody else confirm. Or you have said, I don't even believe in all those spooky stuff. You may not have said it out loud. But you've kind of shied away because of so many mistakes you have made. And what the Lord is telling me is that through this conference, he wants to restore your confidence in your ability to hear him. To let you know that it's not that you didn't hear him, you just did not hear him fully. Amen? And that it's okay to ask. You know, when Moses asked, God gave him a, an heron. God gave him who to tell um, who to tell Pharaoh sent him. And God told him the peculiarity of the stick, what was going to happen to the stick that he was holding. And all those things came into play in the fulfillment of what God said. As I said on uh, Friday, if Moses hadn't done that, if he had appeared before Pharaoh with half-baked instruction, he wouldn't even have, have come up with a solution with his stammering problem. They have come up to Pharaoh. Come, come, come! Uh, a voice spoke to me. Who is that voice? Ah, don't, don't, don't know. He, he just disgrace. It would have been disgraced. It would have carried him out, and they would go back to the back of the desert and go and weep and cry. God, why did you go and embarrass me like that? Amen. So it's very important that we don't just hear fragments and run with fragments. And then, I mean, we talked about the Holy Ghost. And then yesterday, can I have the time I'm supposed to hand? I'm sorry, I did not ask for how much time I had. Please just give me the paper. Yesterday, we talked about the working of the Holy Spirit in us. In developing the fruit of the Spirit... And manifesting the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Amen. We talked about the things that clutter. The, the Bible says that um, to guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. In fact, translation says guard your heart above all else that you guard. Meaning that uh, above every other thing we pay attention to. We need to pay attention to the state and the condition of our hearts. We pay attention to so much. Amen? In fact, we could talk about paying attention to ourselves and pay attention to every other part of us but our hearts. You know? And we should pay attention. I mean, we are spirit. We live in a body. We, live in a body, we have a soul. And we need to pay attention to all these three different parts of us. Um, yesterday, we had somebody come and give us a brilliant lecture on nutrition. It's one of the best I've ever heard because it didn't come with a condemning hedge. Amen? She didn't leave me confused. She didn't leave me wondering what I can now eat. 
There are some places you go, you see, they tell, you can't eat this, you can't eat this, you can't eat this. You, I, I would tell what tell. Let me just go and live on water then. Everything is dangerous. Amen. But she, it's very easy to follow. The only part I might have a challenge with is growing my vegetables. But the Lord may help me with that. Maybe I need to pay attention. Pay attention to why you can't grow your vegetables. Well, I'm not promising. Don't come and ask me last, next year. So, Pastor, me, how are your vegetables doing? Uh, I'm not promising anything. You will hear a testimony if I do it. If I don't do it, let's just be quiet. <laughs> but I thought that was a very, very wonderful, wonderful lecture on nutrition. You know, so that's part of showing us how to pay attention to our bodies because if we don't pay attention to our bodies, as we know, no matter how great your calling is, no matter how wonderful your purpose is, no matter how many nations of the earth you have been called to, to go to, if this body says, I'm done. Amen? <laughs> so, we need to pay attention to our bodies because it's the only one we've got. Paying attention to our soul, very important as well. Paying attention to our heart, the Bible says that it's the... Above all else we guard, we should guard our hearts, for out of our heart flow the issues of life. So it's very important. But yesterday we went through an illustration of how sometimes our hearts can be cluttered with stuff as a result of life happening. You know, uh, comes, I mean, right from when we're uh, young, um, I don't want to go into... Uh, the teaching on the connection between your spirit, your soul, and how they combine to, uh, you know, to make the... I, don't let me say something that if you don't go and uh, see how Dr. K explains it in the new module of KTI, it may throw some confusion out there. So I, won't, I don't want to start a theological or doctrinal debate. But there is a connection between your soul and your heart. I just put it that way. And so that even though you get born again and your spirit is changed, the fact that your soul is not changed means that some things that were deposited in your soul even before you got born again could still serve to clutter the heart. You get what I'm saying? That's why you may have, you know, maybe throughout when you were growing up, there were things that happened to affect your self-esteem. You know, you were the, maybe, maybe you came from a house where everybody looked a certain way and you seemed like the, and I mean this figuratively, you seemed like the black sheep of the family. You know, you just looked different. So people grew up, you grew up with people making jokes that, are you sure your mother didn't even bring you from somewhere else? Amen? People say that to kids and they think they are just joking and the kid grows up and there's, Things that you, they just can't deal with. Amen? Because there are things that have caused self-esteem issues that have cluttered up the heart, you know? And the devil is very good about this, about doing things like this, um, putting things in there that will eventually, even after you get born again, without at being attentive to the process of decluttering that heart, those things could still affect your ability to fully express who you should be and um, have those issues flow out um, to cause you to be all you are supposed to be in life. So we talked about that process and that need for, the, for decluttering by the help of the Holy Ghost. And even after we get saved, we go into situations, you know, we get into situations that uh, set us up for envy, for jealousy. Um, we, set in, we get set up for situations for anger, you know, all these different things to go in there. So that sometimes even the process of paying attention to your heart may start with you, first of all, Letting the Holy Ghost take out what's stuffed in there that shouldn't be. Clean out the place. Do some spring cleaning. Amen? And it can be painful sometimes. Because some of the things the Holy Spirit might shine his torchlight on. We may never have known we're there. 
For example, the Holy Spirit comes and says, you are prideful. And like me, pride, I'm the most humble person you ever saw. In fact, I should be given an award for humility. <laughs> and like me, pride, no, 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 no. Oh, if the Holy Spirit says it's there, then it's there. So that's why, and you know, it's very important that it's the Holy Spirit shining these things. Not us just going and, you know, condemning ourselves of everything and anything. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who makes the difference between it being a conviction or it being a condemnation. Because condemnation does not help anybody. At any point in time, we know there's something wrong with us. Amen. <laughs> At any point in time. But we can't go around with this feeling of there's something wrong with me. Just what exactly is it? I'm not just sure there's just something wrong with me. No, that's the devil. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the one who can pinpoint exactly what he is ready to work on at any given point in time. Let's talk, for example, um, the issue of jealousy. I said yesterday, and I want, to, I, want to, I want to sit here for a while because even in coming into this place, the Lord in the car was just... Um, you know, giving me illustrations about this. You know, jealousy, I said yesterday, jealousy and envy. You find out that jealousy and envy comes when somebody that you didn't expect to do well or to attain a certain thing uh, suddenly does so. Amen. And it's because um, based on our relationship with people, we seem to think we have summed everybody up and we know what to expect. Amen. I said that, for instance, if I went into Oprah Winfrey's house, nothing in Oprah Winfrey's house can make me jealous. Unless I want to kill myself. I mean, is it a guy will see and say I'm jealous? <laughs> or is it a couch, whatever it's made of? Why? Because I know Oprah Winfrey is right there. We are not mates in any, you know, I mean, I'm a new creation. I have riches in Christ Jesus and all that. <laughs> but I know as far as material wealth that's manifested right now, we are not made. But it's when we go and relate with or maybe an old friend that suddenly came into your life, a friend that you see every day, and all of a sudden something happens. They get a job you weren't expecting. They buy a car you weren't expecting. And then, oh, a sibling. Because after all, we grew up together, the same parents are the same. How come, you know? That's why there's a lot of sibling rivalry. Because we think we know what to expect from and of people. And when all of a sudden they seem to be doing better than us. It's actually an indictment. What we do is like we're indicting ourselves for not being able to attain to what they attain to. Let me tell you, that's a major route to envy and jealousy. If we treat it this way, that even I, I don't know myself fully. And let me tell you, okay, two people start off at Teju Osho Market together. They are both, they opened their stores at about the same time. They are next door to one another. They both sell Ankara. Mama Bisi and Mama Risi. Amen. One day, Mama Risi gets to Tejosho Market, and Mama Bisi's store is closed. So Mama Risi says, Ah, come on, show. This woman's business has shut. And I thought she was doing well. Then one day, Mama Risi goes to shop right. Uh -uh. One day, she's walking, she's in shop right, she's walking. Uh -uh. No, no, no. That, that cannot be. Mama Risi, what did you come to do here? Uh, it, uh, God has been faithful. Erisha Lombi. <laughs> Why is Mama Risi then going home depressed? Is it that she has never seen an Ankara store at ShopRite before? Why is my life like this? If 
it had been Mama Funke that she never knew from Adam? If it had been Mama Deji that she knew from time had privileges she never had, it wouldn't have moved that one bit. But Mama BC, we started off together. And all of a sudden, she's depressed. Now, you know, I've realized that God brings people into our life. You know, God brings people, the devil brings people. Then God brings people that the devil um, manipulates the situation so that God's original intention will not be fulfilled. I have different kinds of relationships with different people. When I started, or when we started off in ministry, you know, we probably thought that being in ministry and knowing all this word and all these things means that it will give us certain physical and financial privileges above those that didn't know the word. Ha. How many people know where I'm going with this? Then all of a sudden, after many years of doing this, you now have friends that didn't quite dedicate to God the way you did, didn't quite carry it on your head like you did. Amen? Now they are better financially than you are. Amen. You suddenly run into them. It would be okay if you never knew. And if your life was fine that day until you knew. Until you met them, you were having a great time. You were satisfied with your life. You were happy to be serving God. You are happy with the way your life is. It's not perfect. It's not where you wanted to be. I mean, where you are going. It's not your ultimate, but you are happy on your journey. And then you run into one another at the bank. Hello, hello, hello. From how they are dressed, you already know that. Our levels have changed. Amen. From the post they are carrying, it's like, ah, this one is serious. And then you happen to catch a glimpse of the, of the check. You happen, it's not like they did it on purpose. You just, 10 million naira, wow. And now you are going and wondering why you ever served God. Now, was it the devil that caused that encounter? It could be. Was it God? It could be. Let me tell you how it could be God. There are certain instances God will help cause you to walk into that may make you uncomfortable, but they are supposed to make you uncomfortable so that you can grow. But then the devil will hijack it in envy and jealousy to sabotage the process of God. So now you are wondering why you've, you can't, it's very interesting how in 30 seconds you can go back 30 years and look at all your wrong decisions or all your, you know, all, and all the decisions, either wrong or not, all the ones you thought were wrong but were actually God shaping you. All the ones that were, yeah, were wrong but God was merciful. But all of a sudden, in 30 seconds, you can go back and put this spin on it that I've wasted my life. Amen. Now, how does this relate to paying attention? You see, when we pay attention, for, number one, when the emotion first comes, and say, wait. You know, I did an illustration of what the different things the devil is always trying to put into our heart. When it first comes, you have a guard there. You may not be able to handle it right there in front of your old classmate. If you can't, at least be... Joyful, be cheerful. Hey, if you have to fake it till you make it, you'll be like, this uncomfortable feeling, we'll go and deal with it later. But, ah, wow, lovely shoe. Don't pretend you can't see the shoe. <laughs> oh, I love your shoes. Oh, I love your bag. Don't pretend. Amen. Don't say, hey, me too, I'm happy with my bag. Hey, me too, I'm happy with my bag. <laughs> Amen. Most of us are, are very good at we are, we are good at mask we are good at that masking it, which is good. 
I said, I print off the along these lines in Chicago. I said, I once went to a uh, housewarming ceremony and there was a guest that cried throughout. And it was a tears of joy. <laughs> it was a tears of, hey, look at my life. And she was so bad at it. I mean, gosh, at least be, she be God. If you can't guard your heart, guard your emotions or your physical display of emotions. I remember I was very young, but I remember so vividly. They had to say, oh, sorry now, what is it now? <laughs> Amen. But then when you leave that space, don't pretend and go on. Don't let the devil let it spiral into something else. Deal with it, with the Holy Spirit. What is it? Amen. What assumptions did I make about this person or my life that made this come as such a shock that's resulting in jealousy and envy? And you know, as we do so, the Holy Spirit will help us. That's a process of guarding the heart. Because then maybe God wants you to get to, maybe the reason why you met that person as a bank is because God wants you to reconnect with that person. And there are certain things they know that will help you. But then the devil wants to sabotage the process, introduce envy and jealousy and kill it off. Because you are most likely going to start running away from that person and not get in close fellowship with them because you just can't handle their level why? It keeps reminding you that, as you know, as you said, what have I done with my life? Amen. You understand me? And when we do so, when we learn, especially that's, I mean, not there are other things that try to go into your heart, like hunger, insecurity, blah, blah, blah. But that's. I see it sabotage relationships. I see it sabotage opportunities. That's why I want to sit with it a little bit and kind of explain it. Because it all happens. Just like, it, and it happens, I don't care where you get to in life. There will always be from Mama Risi in Teju Osho Market. Mama Bisi may run into the same situation with the person who has a store next to her shop, right? Maybe that person now goes to London. Okay, <laughs> so I mean, the fact that don't feel bad that you are tempted, you get what it's normal, it's just now dealing with it. You are not a bad person because somebody's progress and success may sometimes hit you a certain way, it's the way our emotions work. But then we have the ability to guard our heart so that it doesn't go in there to take root as jealousy. But you know what we now start doing? We now start feeling like we are bad. Like, why should I feel jealous? Because you are normal and you want progress for your own life too. Amen. But you just, we just have to say, this is not how I want progress, but this is not how progress is going to happen. What God, who knows what relationship I may be cutting off just because of jealousy, just because of envy, but because I can't stand to be in the same room with them. It boils me. I'm boiling on the inside. I may look calm on the outside, but inside me it's like, brr, brr, what have you done with yourself? All that shanda, 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 all that praying now until your tongue has almost burst. What has it done for you? Amen. I'm saying this because people have left ministry because of it. Because they met a friend at a bank. And now pastor can't understand them anymore. They are not calm. They are not serving. They are suddenly cold. What happened? They will tell you, I met a friend at the bank. Now they will now start looking for all the negative things that have ever happened. Even in this church, they don't love me. Even in this church, they don't do this. Even tell us the truth. You met a friend with a bank with a Gucci bag and Prada shoes. It's women's conference, so we stick with women. <laughs> Amen. Did God make, want you to meet that friend? Maybe. Amen. You know, there are friendships I keep now to constantly stir myself up. And you know what? People have differently. For me, the part that the devil could use to get me is education because I'm big on education. 
there are certain things I wanted to do with education. So what it would get me with is, oh, suddenly somebody, this person got a PhD. Hey, what have I done with my life? So there are certain relationships I keep now to stem my, like, okay, I have friends that they are working so um, diligently in their professions. Like, the fact that I'm in ministry, does that, does that mean that I'm, what I'm, the course I'm serving is less, so I should work less? You get what I'm saying? Or be less diligent? So I keep at it. What are you up to? You are training, you are doing something. Then I look at myself, to have 24 hours. This person is devoting themselves. I mean, there are tra- different trainings that could help with ministry. Management training could help with ministry. Amen? Training on how somebody, you know, how CEOs function, executive functioning could help in ministry. If ministry is what I have, I mean, for many years I ran both, but if ministry is what I have devoted my life to, I, it's a conscious decision to lay something down because I value something more. But I consider expose myself outside of that sphere. I, get, I let God walk through all the discomfort. Okay, we are done with that, right? Okay, you've settled yourself, right? You are not asking yourself anymore, what have you done with your life? You've got to, okay, you are fine. Okay, now let's see what God really wants to do here. Okay? If we can deal with envy and jealousy, the devil won't be able to get us in turmoil so many times. So maybe Mama Risi that day, God did want her to see Mama busy at ShopRite. Not because God might be wanting to move her to ShopRite, but maybe there's something in the middle. That's above Teju Osho Market. Give me something in the middle. Not quite going to the mall, but something in the middle. Maybe a strip mall somewhere. Maybe that's Mama Risi's next level. And God says, if Mama Risi does not meet Mama BC, she will never see a next level. Because she's the king of Teju Osho Market. She can bully everybody. So she's feeling great. She even feels like she's greater than Mama BC. Because after all, Mama BC shut down her shop, right? So, Mama Risi, I hope you are not getting confused. Mama Risi is posing around the Jojo market, feeling like the king of the jungle, local champion. And God looks at her and says, look at this woman. Where have you reached? That you are posing all over the Jojo. And God arranges a meeting. Because Mama Bisi might have, that day she could have not been, she may not have been at the store. Maybe she quickly stepped up, but God made sure. Amen? So that it will stir Mama Risi up. That there's more to your life than Ted Joshua Market. Now, if Mama Risi lives with jealousy that God, why am I not at ShopRite Market? She won't get to ShopRite Market. And neither will she see the alternative that God may be opening up for her. Because a process that God started, the devil hijacked and killed it and sowed something into Mama Reese's heart. Do you understand that re- illustration? Amen. So we talked about that, um, paying attention to the heart and to some of the different things that the enemy will try to introduce in. Because your heart is so powerful. There are issues that ought to flow out. There are things that ought to come out. Things that will set you over in life. Things that will establish you. Things that will bring solutions in, in dark times. Things that will lead you in God's ultimate plan for your life. But when these things are when your heart is cluttered, there's so much gunk there and so much junk in there, then these things do not flow out as easily as they ought to. But God wants them to flow out. He wants to be able to make impressions on your heart that as you pay attention to those impressions, then you'll be able to follow through the process of going from your one season to another in your life. But you know, when there's so much distraction, we don't even feel those impressions. But when we guard our heart, like the Bible says, above all else we guard, then, you know, there are some children that are so sensitive to their parents that all the parent has to do is wink and hide, like just wink, and they get it. 
Amen? And so in tune. All the parent has to do is just, just something like, they, they, you go somewhere and they say, do you want something to eat? And the child just looks at the parent. The, the parent is like, and the child gets it. And then there are some children. <laughs> ah, mommy, what's wrong with your eye? <laughs> Amen. God wants us to be so in tune with him that he does the equivalent of that wink, and you get it. My father is saying something. You know, you, it does a nudge. You don't need three days fasting and prayer. You may need three days fasting and prayer to sit with it a bit more, but you don't need, you just know, no, no, my father, is, my father is saying something, you know. He wants to make such impressions, but you know what? The atmosphere needs to be right. So our whole job is to keep making the atmosphere right on the inside. You see, that flare of anger, occasional flare, it's costing you more than you know. That rage. It's costing, stop saying it's just me, it's costing you. That envy, that jealousy, it's costing you. That depressive state, yeah, you're going to two, two weeks of depression. Two weeks. Nobody can get you out of it. Your husband calls, my dear, my dear, leave me alone. You don't, you don't understand. Nothing can cheer you up. And after two weeks, you're like, hey, I'm back. <laughs> Do you know what you missed in those two weeks? It's costing you more than you know. So uh, that's why we need to pay attention to making the atmosphere right. Making the atmosphere right. So that I can feel the impressions. So that I can catch what he's saying. So that I can be sensitive to him. Because who knows, just like Moses, I may just be an instruction away from a life-changing instruction, or instruction away from a life-changing encounter with God that will make a radical change in my life. Have you been blessed this morning? The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, of Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-000640. Morning. Please go ahead and rise up to your feet.